At midnight on the 31st of March, Chapter 1, Section 2. After another day of futile search by parties that set out south, east, and west, and found the very same as on the north, the endless woods, the silent hills, the streams unchecked, unbridged, and nowhere any house or any sign of man there now or ever. Not anything at all but deer. Roy Smith, who went armed with his gun, had shot a buck and dragged it to the road. He grinned and said, Everything is gone. I guess the law ain't stuck around to bother me for this. After those weary men by twos and threes had come back home, to look with puzzled eyes along the roads that were no longer roads. They asked each other with particular stare if one and all were raving lunatics, or if indeed there was no center field, no Schuyler's Falls, no Indian Town, no Springs, no State, no City, no America, but only Saugersville and all the world. They held a meeting in the school that night, and every living soul in Saugersville that could get up upon two legs was there. Old Grandma Smith, that laid abed so long she said she was like to stick, got up and dressed and hobbled to the school, with every step calling a moraine on these lying mouths that said such foolish things. And Dick Van Snell, that had two legs, but one of wood and wire, walked all the way to tell the company how rough the road before his place was now. The children scampered in the vestibule, the babies cried and sucked and slept again. Bert Snyder put more wood into the stove until it glowed and everybody steamed. When every soul was there, and talk ran on now low and slow, now high hysterical, Earl Bacchus rose and knocked on teacher's desk. We'd better talk it over one by one so all can hear. I will begin and state that by some chance we cannot understand, the rest of the world has changed, though Saugersville is much the same as ever. Sunday last I went to Schuyler's Falls, and others here were different places in the country round, and all was just as we're accustomed to. But Monday morning things were not the same. The power was off, the roads were gone, the phone was dead, as all of you here know yourselves. What has come over us? or what has come to everybody else but us, is more than I can even start to understand. He paused. Before we talk, we'd better have a prayer from Reverend Ewell. The old man rose. But ten years back he had come here to take the little church, whose few parishioners were still enough to keep a minister, though the other church was always dark. A quiet, humdrum man, that did his work like anyone, and spoke but once a week, or so it seemed. But now his eyes were fire. He opened out his hands and spoke to God. Our Father, that looks down upon us now, that made the world, and doomed it once in rain except for Noah and his ark of life, that opened up the sea for Israel, now by thy will another fate has come upon thy people, who look up for aid now to our hills, beyond our hills to thee. Whatever be this thing has come to us, guide us to do thy will, who sent a dove to Noah in the endless sea, and then another dove upon thy son to show who came to save us. For his sake we ask thy blessing on thy troubled people, Lord. 
and every trembling mouth said low, Amen. Earl Backa said, let's see if we can tell just how this came. Can, can anybody say? The young man in the solitary house, John Herbert, rose and said, On Sunday night I couldn't sleep and lit the light to read. I saw the bulb go out. It faded out as though the power went off by slow degrees. Gus Warder said, What time would that have been? About 11.10, I took my book and, and read almost an hour. Midnight, I guess. Bacchus from the teacher's desk went on, We've been to Centerfield, an Indian town, as far as Sulphur Springs. It's all the same, no towns at all, nor any house or road. Only the river and the creeks are there, of all the land and villages we knew. On Indian Hill, Roy Smith climbed up a tree. You know how all the country lies spread out from that hilltop. You used to see the smoke of half a dozen towns, from engines, too and sometimes hear the whistle of the train. You tell him, Roy, just how it looked to you. The young and silent hunter stiffly rose, more frightened now to hear himself speak out than at that moment in the pine tree top. I, I saw just trees, he said. Trees all the way. Now Robert Munn, that owned the small garage and tinkered all the cars and trucks, spoke up. I connected up my radio last night with batteries and listened in and tried out all the tricks I know. It was half past eight when lots is on the air, or used to be. I couldn't get a sound. I heard the static crack and break of anything at all, but that there wasn't even the faintest sound. Edie Salzenbach got up and shouted out, a voice like doomsday trumpet any day and now more strident than it ever was. What's come to everyone? And where are they except for us? And what will come to us? Maybe tomorrow there'll be only trees in Saugersville, and where will we be then? Earl Bacchus rapped upon the desk and said, That's all of us got friends in other towns, out in that world which doesn't seem to be. And some have got relations, too, and yet... He paused and looked around. And everyone looked here and there and counted families, and for a space said nothing. There was Gert... Ed Winterhouse's girl that went to school in River City to the normal school. She had come home because she had a cold and needed rest and sleep and country air. There were Bill and Mabel Countryman, who went to fetch his mother from the town where she lived in winter, being cold on Beeman's Hill, and Sunday brought her back. And everyone was there that really lived in Saugersville, and no one that did not. Relations, to be sure, and many a friend were lost, along with all the vanished world, but families, for the most, were all intact. We're mostly here, us that have always lived here in this town and made our living here. Barring some kind of fate that's after us and hasn't quite caught up, we're going to live here in this town a while. The trouble is to find out just how we're going to do it now. And then a silence wavered in the room as thoughts went tumbling on in every head. So much to need, so much to puzzle out, and over all the cloud of secret fate. For once these human beings saw and felt catastrophe on others could be worse than on themselves. Now being left alone when everyone was gone, they almost wished they too had disappeared. A common fate seemed better than survival all alone. The faces, set or working, stared in space. Ma Warder cried into her handkerchief. 
but May looked secretly to where John Herbert sat and thought, the city cannot get him now. Old Grandma Smith thumped down her heavy stick and said right out, A passel here of fools! I'm going down to Centerfield to live. The men were silent till Abe Gibbet spoke. Got a tarnation lot of milk to home. We'll all be throwing milk away. For calves and pigs and people, butter or cheese won't take it all. Earl Winterhouse replied, We'll likely have to eat the cows, and then keep just enough for what we need ourselves for milk and cream and butter, veal and beef. And pigs... We'd better breed a lot, and hens, each one will have to see he's got enough. Earl Backus spoke again. We're luckier than hell this is spring. We'll plan to plant the stuff we need for food and fodder for the year. We must count all the things we have, have to have, that used to come from other wares, and see just how we can replace them for ourselves. There's gasoline. He looked at Robert Munn. I've got 1,200 gallons in my tanks The truck came Saturday. He paused and thought how Bill the driver had gone on so fast, so confident and loud, his heavy wheels thundering out of Saugersville. To where? I've kerosene and oil, enough to last an ordinary month or month and a half. Of course, there isn't any road to go except right here, a mile or two and back, and there's the farm machinery to run. Earl Backus frowned. Looks to me, my friends, as though we'll have to have as they did once a committee of safety. Five or seven men to tell us what to do and when to do it. If you agree, let's settle that right now. Under the stars that looked so far away, blown by a fierce spring wind that whacked the trees, the people hurried home to light their lamps, walking with new responsibility and courage that even now did not desert. The elected members of the safety board, Gus Warder, William Countryman, Young Smith, Bert Snyder, and Earl Backus as the head, went home as well, to bed, if not to sleep.